all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package being delivered. Hello out there on the internet, I'm Matthew Galt, and this is Cyber. Uber's been hacked, and sim swappers have gotten violent. It's been a banner week in the world of digital crime. Groups on Telegram that used to primarily be interested in taking over people's phones have changed tactics. Now, they're selling violence. And to cap off the week, a young, allegedly, hacker we don't know much about was able to steal the credentials of an Uber employee and access the company's back end. With me to talk through all these different stories are mother or a mother. Well, with me to talk through all these different stories is a motherboard dream team. It's staff writers Lorenzo Franceschi Bicarai and Joseph Cox. Thank you both so much for coming on. Thank you. All Thanks right. for having me. Uh, all right, Joseph, we're going to start with you. Uh, you've got the Sim Swapper story. Briefly tell us, you know, for audience members that maybe don't know or haven't heard the previous episodes where we've talked about it, what exactly is Sim Swapping? So sim swapping is a sort of hacker technique where the hacker will basically take over your phone number and then maybe they'll use that to break into your other accounts by getting a password reset or a multi-factor authentication text message or something like that. And traditionally, sim swapping has been accomplished by the hacker social engineering their way into the telecom you know they'll go to the verizon the t-mobile or whoever and say oh i'm this person i'm using a new phone please redirect all the text messages and calls to me uh and then there are other ways as well you know maybe they, there's phishing and that sort of thing but generally that's what sim swapping is and there's a very vibrant community of seemingly predominantly young hackers who do this to steal cryptocurrency or try to break into bank accounts or anything else really all right give me a famous sim swapping case i mean there there are just simply too many basically but i would say that the predominant ones have been that you would steal a large amount of cryptocurrency and that would be bitcoin or ethereum or maybe some other sort of coin but over the years these attacks have got more audacious more blatant and you know until recently we're actually uh, generating a lot of revenue for these young hackers i mean we're talking you know tens hundreds millions of dollars for uh, these hackers who can figure out a way to borrow into various accounts i mean i think the market has sort of dried up a little bit on what targets are available you know there isn't an infinite (laughs) number of people who can be uh uh, sim swaps and have their cryptocurrency accounts drained and you know i think that kind of relates to this latest story and what we've actually been seeing in this sort of diversification of what these sim swappers are prepared to do or offer right not content with making money off of sim swapping some of them have changed tactics so the story you've written written here is Firebombs and shootings, the rise of IRL harassment and violence as a service. So what what exactly is on offer here? What's going on? Right, yeah. So I went into some Telegram groups, which are used by sim swappers. I did this after an article from cybersecurity reporter Brian Krebs. So he published uh, something related to this, and I sort of followed up on it with a bit more information. I go into these Telegram groups and most of the messages are, hey, I have an insider 
at this telecom, they're going to do SIM swaps, message me and I'll do it. You know, somebody else saying I need somebody to hold this number for me, which is sort of you take control of the number and then you help in the hack, that sort of thing. Or I need somebody to help cash out, you know, ordinary SIM swapping conversations. But sort of sprinkled among those conversations were something that I I haven't really seen before which was that, hey, I need a target to be bricked in Atlanta. I need a target to be bricked here. And that refers to, of course, somebody physically going to this target, you know, presumably a house, potentially a business as well, and throwing a brick uh, through the window. And people obviously were soliciting this service. They were looking for it. Others were offering to sell it. And from there it just escalated further where there were people on Telegram saying, we will do house shootings. We will do um, physical violence and beat somebody up. And in some cases, they even mentioned, we will conduct sexual violence on the target as well, all for money. And I think the important thing to remember about the sim swapping community is that, yes, a lot of it is about money, but there's also constant beefs and disagreements between so many of these members, you know, they'll have a perceived enemy who they want to screw over and maybe they'll hack them or dox them. Uh, or now, it, it seems, they may hire somebody or use somebody to conduct physical IRL threats, violence or harassment against them as well. You know, traditionally, this has been done by swatting people, which is where you call up the police and you phone in a bogus like hostage situation, something like that. So a SWAT team turns up and it's of course very um scary for the target now they're just straight up shooting (laughs) at people themselves which i don't know i think that's a crazy uh development yeah because it's kind of going it's this leap right it's this leap from what is largely a non-violent crime into some of the most violent crimes you can possibly do right yeah i mean as me and Jason Kebler were talking about this, I mean, this isn't like, oh, a little hack, obviously. This is, you could get an attempted murder charge with this. If you go and you throw a Molotov cocktail, which is something else which is being offered in these services, if you go and throw a firebomb into someone's window, or you fire, you know, seven shots of a clip of a nine millimeter through a window, you, you can get an attempted murder charge. You could go to prison for 20 years. This is an incredible, uh, audacious, and I mean, stupid escalation. Why did this happen? What changed in the sim swapping space that they're not making money off of that? Is it all the beefs or are there other things going on? Yeah, I think it's a little hard to say, but I think it's a combination of those two specific things you said. First being the beefs. And, you know, we've seen evidence in these Telegram channels and in Brian Krebs's article as well that this stuff is happening. You know, these aren't necessarily hollow advertisements or offers you know of course some people could be scamming that is always going to happen when somebody's claiming to offer a service uh but in the telegram group i was in there was a video of someone firing their handgun into a house uh and brian krebs also referenced that case in his uh initial piece which relied on charges the fbi has brought against somebody for doing specifically this so you know we know it's real the reason i bring that up not just to support you know, the authenticity and the veracity of this information. But that shooting, it seems, was done as a beef. Uh, at the end of the video, someone filming or, or or the person who fired the gun, there seems to be two people at the scene, uh, one of them shouts out the name 
of somebody's like online handle and says was here. So that's the beef element coming in. You know, they are doing this not necessarily to hurt somebody, but they are doing it to send a clear message because they're including a name. You know, that is that's the entire point, right? And the other part I would say, I mean I don't think the sim swappers are admitting this, but this is what I've certainly noticed uh, from covering it, you know, along with Lorenzo for the past, uh, well, years now, but especially in the past six months to a year to a year and a half, sim swapping has got way harder. The telecoms have finally clocked onto it a little bit and they've introduced, uh, you know, pin codes you can put onto your account. Um, The services that get targeted after a SIM swap seem to be taking their security more seriously. Uh, And also just targets may be drying up. As I said earlier, you know, there's only so many people who have a ton of Bitcoin lying around who are going to be susceptible to uh, a SIM swap attack. You know, if you're a serious Bitcoin whale, you probably don't have SMS 2FA <laughs> on your accounts. You know, you're probably using a hardware uh, Bitcoin wallet like like a Ledger or something like that. So the long and short of it is, I think, yes, it's the beef, but it's also just SIM swapping is so much harder now. And if these people want more money, some of them are going to move into doing batshit dumb stuff. <laughs> like throwing uh, petrol bombs through people's windows. Can I ask a completely speculative question, kind of related uh-huh. to crypto? So we're like everything about crypto is dried up, right? No one wants to hear about it anymore. Um, the the crypto crash has occurred. Uh, do we think then that it it is like some of this is largely like easy targets are gone? People are getting out of this market, except for these whales that have like the hard encrypted ledgers. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I think people. Have, I don't know if people are getting out of the crypto market as an investor, you know, but I think people are getting out of it as a hacking target because, you know, anecdotally, what I've heard when we started covering hacking on Roblox, where people would take over accounts and then sell items there. I mean, my understanding is that those are people from the sim swapping community. You know, they've left that community and now they've gone to Roblox because, well, here are some new targets that we haven't sort of drained yet. Maybe we can, maybe we can sap these now, you know? Um, and I think it's just the constant uh, evolving of the sim swap community. I mean, I, I've said evolving before, but now it just looks like a downward spiral. Right. <laughs> you know, this, is, this isn't getting more sophisticated. This is getting deranged. So also, and I want to be clear, the only kind of confirmed case of violence that we've had is this one that Krebs wrote about. And that was a beef. It was not necessarily, or was it a beef? Or like, was it somebody selling a service? Like, how exactly, can you tell me a little bit more about this? The McGovern Allen story, I think? Yeah, my understanding of the McGovern Allen story is that McGovern Allen was allegedly one of the people who performed this service as in they were involved in a shooting into the house and they were also involved uh, allegedly in throwing a molotov cocktail at a house there's videos of both of those we embedded the the shooting one uh, into the article itself and then um i think there's a link to the firebomb one uh, from krebs's article uh that was done through a service, it appears, because in Krebs's piece, he mentions that in Discord logs, uh, the person claimed responsibility for the attack and then said, you know, I will do this for you. 
you know, I've done a firebombing, uh, I've done a shooting, I'm paraphrasing what they allegedly said, and I will do more of it. So that is offering a service, you know, and the person who is going to be buying that service is the one who has the beef. You know, the the one who's doing the shooting or throwing the bomb, they're sort of a free agent. You know, they probably don't really care uh, who they have to hit within reason, but it's the person paying for the service, the hundred, two hundred, a thousand dollars, whatever, who has the beef, presumably. Okay. This is, you know, we've kind of talked about communities degrading or escalating, maybe. Um, this is not the first time that this has happened in kind of these criminal hacking spaces, right? Yeah, I mean, sim swapping has the sort of the history of sim swapping has gone at a really accelerated pace. Where, as I mentioned, it started with social engineering, T-Mobile or Verizon or, or Sprint or whoever. Uh, it then moved on to you know slightly different techniques, such as having a malicious insider inside the telcos who would do a lookup for you and maybe you would bribe them, and then probably the most dramatic escalation that we saw sort of on the technical side is that sim swappers I spoke to, they were breaking into the telecoms via hacking and then they were using the internal tools themselves. They basically got malware inside uh, the telecoms, took over the computers of the employees and then used that to, well, now I'm I'm basically inside this telecom. I'm just going to do the SIM swap myself. You don't even have to pay somebody because you are just doing it yourself. I mean, that is, I think, a dramatic escalation, especially on a technical level. And now, of course, we're seeing, again, evolution is not the best word, but we're seeing a change in that community in sort of another direction where it's obviously much less technically sophisticated to the point where it's not even a cybercrime anymore. They're just shooting people. You know, that is obviously not technically sophisticated. Um, but that is the nature of the sim swap community. And I think we'll see, you know, probably more of that, but then also more of the members of the sim swapping community go to different targets. Like I mentioned with Roblox, they'll go and find something else, you know, or maybe you'll be breaking into cash app accounts that we've covered before or something like that. Well, this also reminds me of Lapsus, right, which you wrote about in March. Can you kind of show me the parallels there? Yeah, sure. So Lapsus was a hacking group that gained very quick notoriety for breaching a host of very high-profile targets. I think you know Microsoft, NVIDIA, potentially Ubisoft and Electronic Arts, uh, the, you know, obviously massive gaming publisher. We covered the EA breach primarily um, because I was kind of thrown into the middle of that when someone connected to Lapsus uh, obviously hacked the company and tried to extort EA. They weren't able to deliver their extortion message to EA effectively, so they tried to get me to do it, obviously declined. And then EA couldn't get in touch with the hackers. They asked me to put them in touch, and obviously I declined that as well. It was a very big, weird mess. But the relevance of Lapsus sort of here is that they also came from the sim-swapping community, and they you know, started with targeting telecoms and that sort of thing and doing normal social engineering attacks, it appears, until eventually they escalated in a different direction by buying... Um, authentication tokens and cookies from underground marketplaces. 
Um, we covered this at the time. There was a site called Genesis Marketplace where you would log on. You would search for, I want login tokens for Slack or Okta or something like that. You would buy the token and then, you know, maybe you have to do some other work around it as well to effectively use the token. But you basically had just bought the digital identity of an employee of a particular company. And, you know, my understanding is Lapsus did use this to break into um, certain companies. I think it just shows that in the same sort of way that SIM swappers went out and they started putting malware into telecoms, they're going to look for new, interesting ways to break into targets that aren't necessarily technically sophisticated. And the main thing with Lapsus is, like, you have to remember that the sophistication of a hacker is not the only metric you need to measure them on you need to also measure their audacity and whether they're going to just say screw it i'm going to break into okta or or, or microsoft or whatever and i'm not going to be particularly stealthy about it all right cyber listeners we're going to pause there for a break we'll be right back after these messages Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, cyber listeners, thank you so much for sticking around. That was Joseph Cox telling us about sim swapping. Now we're on with Lorenzo. So, Lorenzo, I, I, I had a bad night last night. Uh, I was up a little bit too late with some stomach problems. Um, and as a consequence, I got to watch on social media kind of a, a story I knew that we were going to be reporting on, <laughs> which is this Uber hack. Uh, kind of the news broke late last night, and it's still unfolding as we are recording right now, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Still, still ongoing. A lot of um, cyber influencers and experts talking about it on Twitter. Right. It seems it's, it's, it's interesting. It's one of these things where like every hour we get like just a little new bit of information. So let's back up and kind of tell it from the beginning here. What exactly has happened? Yeah. So first of all, as you said, like this is still developing. We don't know all the details, but what we know is that this was a really bad hack. What we know is that the hacker got in and it appears from, you know, screenshots that have been shared widely and the details of the hack that have been transpiring that uh, once the hacker was in, he had access to everything, you know, Slack, um, the cybersecurity tools that the Uber is, use, is using, finan- financial data, you know, you name it. So the damage seems really, seems really big. Um, so to back, uh, backpedal on what you asked, what happened is that uh, reportedly uh, a hacker targeted a specific Uber employee, and it's possible that it was, you know, he was targeting multiple ones, and he was only successful with one, which is all you need. But so with this particular employee, uh, he somehow got 
the employee's password. We don't know how. That's the first step that right now is still mysterious. Uh, he got the password and then started triggering uh, multi-factor authentication uh, notifications. So it looks like the way that Uber manages authentication is you log in with your password, and then uh, Uber sends to your phone a push notification saying, hey, did you re-log in, approve the login, which is kind of a not great uh, way to do multi-factor authentication, in my opinion, um, because you're making it a little easier for people to get fished, um, because actually you don't need to get fished, right? With a a regular, you know, traditional 2FA code, even if, even through text message, you have to take that code and put it into a, a, you know, a website. So in this case, the hacker would have had to actually make a phishing website that looks like the Uber login interface, and it would have been even uh, probably a little bit harder. Uh, the way that they got it, got the victim, the Uber employee, to fall for it was that they contacted them on WhatsApp. It's unclear how they found their their phone number, but, you know, these days it's not impossible. And then the hacker basically said, you know, kept sending push notifications and told the victim, just accept one, I'm from IT, uh, It's you know, there's some issues with our login, uh, just accept the notification and then, uh, you know, the problem will go away. And once that happened, the hacker got in and had, you know, accessed everything. What's interesting also about this breach is that the, the hacker published a, uh, his uh, Telegram uh, handle, and a bunch of cybersecurity experts have been talking to him. So the, the hacker has been very chatty with everyone, not just journalists, but also cybersecurity experts who have been posting screenshots that the hacker has sent, which is very strange. I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen a hacker actively engaging with the cybersecurity experts, sort of like telling them how he did the hack. Very you, interesting. You talked to him, right? Yeah, I had a brief conversation last night. You know, the, the the Telegram handle was public, so I was like, let's just try to talk. Uh, one of the first messages I sent him was, I imagine you're being bombarded by journalists. And he said, yeah, that's what's happening. Um, the only interesting thing that I was able to find out from, from the hacker, who hasn't been very chatty in general, was that initially his target, according to him, was user data. You know, he wanted to get to, like, credit card information, maybe user passwords, uh, with the idea of, like, monetizing that. You know, if you have credit card data, very easy to monetize. If you have passwords, maybe you break into their accounts, do some more damage. But he said that they didn't, he said we didn't take user data, which leads me to believe that maybe it was a group, but, you know, maybe the hacker is pretending to be a group. And he said they didn't take user data because there were, there were just too much data. I said that there were around 500 petabytes of user data, which seems like a lot to me, but who knows? Well, you it know, could be, a- I mean, just speculating, it could be like, um, I would imagine that as part of user data with Uber is like where you are, where you're go- like location data that could run it up. I would think maybe. Yeah. Also it's a global company. It's everywhere. So yeah, they, they have a lot of users. A lot of riders as well, drivers. Um, yeah, and it, the hacker said that cor- corporate data is better for them. Uh, I asked what he meant by that, and he hasn't answered. It's unclear to me how corporate data is better. You know, it doesn't seem like they're ransoming, you know, installing ransomware or asking Uber for some reward for the hack. 
So I don't really know what the hacker plan is at this point, other than embarrassing yeah. Uber. The the last thing I saw last night, and it sounds like things have changed since then, was that this was an 18 year old who targeted Uber specifically because their security was bad. Yeah, that's what they claimed, uh, or what he claimed to the New York Times. He said that he was 18 and he targeted Uber because of their security was bad, which to me doesn't sound like a very good explanation because how did he know that the security was bad? You know, he fished, um, he fished an employee and then once he was in, it was clear that the security was bad because with this just one employee's account, they got access to everything, like financial data, you know, Slack channels, uh, probably emails, God knows what else. Um, at someone, someone on Twitter, uh, he, Ian Coldwater, who's a very good cybersecurity experts, expert, they said that if phishing a single employee can lead to everything in your infrastructure being compromised that easily, that employee is not to blame. Uh, you know, it's very easy to, impl- to blame victims of phishing, but in the end, the reason why phishing works is because people fall for it and it's a very good technique um you know you don't have to be you don't have to write malware you don't have to create um well sometimes you do have to create like fake login pages but you know at the end of the day you're exploiting humans right i mean it looks like this was just as simple as again this some of this is just speculation still very early into this story but it looked like he was just getting the employee was being spammed by these 2FA messages on their phone and it just wore them down and they just yeah, t- did what they had to, to get the, the messages to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wasn't even fishing by being smart. It was fishing by being annoying, you know, by being annoying and persistent. Like the, the hacker didn't give up. It was just like, please like c- click. Okay. Click out, click login, whatever the interface says. The hacker was just like, please do this and I'll go away. Uh, I think it was also probably r- relatively late. I mean, I don't know where the employee, the Uber employee, lives, but if we assume that they were on the, you know, West Coast, it was still relatively late. You know, the story broke at like 10 p.m. New York time, so that must have been 7 p.m. for the Uber employee, assuming he, uh, they were in California. So you know, maybe they're having dinner, they're getting all these notifications, and uh, this guy who. As I'm, a, I'm an Uber IT person, uh, I'm helping you out. You know, I can see why they fell for it. You know, again, I think it's very easy to blame phishing victims, but we have to remember that phishing works. Every, you know, there's a there's a data breach that starts with a phishing attempt every other day. Is this a thing where people with Uber accounts need to update their passwords, clean up their accounts? Is that this kind of thing? Do we think? That's a very good question, and right now we don't know. Uh, you know, the hacker claimed to me that he didn't have access to Uber user data, but honestly, to me, it's a little bit hard to believe. You know, this is speculation, but if they got access to like financial data, um, you know, cybersecurity tools, uh, interfaces, Slack channels, I don't know. It just sounds hard to believe that they didn't get they didn't get anything else. Um, so, so I, th- I think right now the advice is uh, wait. Uh, I don't know if you need to change the password. I feel like Uber would have said that if that was the case. Uh, but what, you know, what has What has Uber said? I was actually just looking at. I'm just looking at their Twitter account, and I cannot find their 
tweet that I saw earlier about investigating a breach. There's another Uber account that tweeted that. Um, but yeah, they basically just said, we're looking into it. Um, and, you know, hang yeah, in just, there. Just looking at the initial New York Times story, a spokesman said the company was investigating the breach and contacting law enforcement officials. Yeah, yeah, that's basically what they said on Twitter too. Even though I can't find for some reason, I cannot find the the, um, the tweet. But yeah, it was basically we're investigating, we're contacting law enforcement. I'm expecting if they were good. I mean, I um, you know, the way that the right way for a company to respond to this would be to publish some sort of a you know early post mortem at some point today. You know, obviously, you don't I don't expect the investigation to be over in a few hours, but you do want to publish something saying, this is what happened, this is what we're doing, this is what user users need to do, if the users need to do anything. And what about um, the idea, is, is this kind of put paid to the idea that 2FA is good, or is it just 2FA connected to your phone is bad? I think that in general, at this point, especially for large organizations that are very juicy targets like Uber or Cloudflare, Okta. You know, we've seen um, uh, seen a bunch of uh, data breaches in the last few weeks uh, against like Twilio, which is a huge um, telecommunications provider for other businesses. Uh, we've seen Okta targeted, uh, which is a company that provides logins, you know, that basically streamlines logins for big corporations. All these companies cannot afford to use any other method of second, you know, of multi-factor that doesn't involve a physical, a physical uh, token, a phys- physical hardware. Uh, one of the one of the um, targets of the hackers that hit Okta and Twilio was Cloudflare, which you know be, has been in the headlines for other reasons lately. But when they got targeted by these hackers, they did not suffer data breach because they force every employee to have uh, a security key uh, to use a second factor. The way that works is pretty simple. You put in your password, and then instead of asking you for a code that uh, the company sends to your text, uh, you know, as a text to your phone or through the authenticator apps that we all use, you have to insert an actual USB device into your computer, uh, What you know, which essentially makes you unfishable. You know, it's pretty much impossible to fish you that way unless, you know, you actually show up to my house and uh, steal my key. Right. And this is, uh, so most normal people who have low threat profiles, SMS and authenticators in using a key for like your Gmail account or what have you still fairly safe. As long as you're not, yeah, you know, better. an employee at Uber or Okta or one of these high targets. I mean, still better than nothing. I think it's good to have security keys, even if you're a regular user. Um, you know, they're not that hard to. I mean, they're very easy to use. They're relatively cheap. You know, thirty dollars, uh, and it's sort of like a, you know, it's peace of mind stuff. You know, you use the security key. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about being fished. Um, I think it's important to be mindful of uh, sort of backup ways to get to log in in case you lose your security key. But yeah, you have to be careful because if you put a back uh, backup as a text message, then the hackers will just use that. 
But yeah, I understand why not everyone is willing to do that and being annoyed and having to have the security key on you all the time. Uh, but yeah, just use multi-factor. Any you know any multi-factor method that you use is better than nothing. But as I said, for companies, you need to go. You need to use keys. All right. Lorenzo Franceschi Bicarai, Joseph Cox, thank you both so much for coming on to Cyber and walking us through these stories. Uh, if you like the show, if you like us, if you really like us, please, we record them live on Twitch. We are at twitch.tv forward slash motherboard TV, where, you know, you can you can get follow us there. You'll get notified when we go live and you can see our smiling faces as we talk through uh, all of these stories. We will be back next week. With another tale of danger on the Internet. Talk to you then. Stay safe out there. Thanks, Matt. And get your get your authentication keys. It's a better way to do 2FA. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.